in the joyful generosity of his people. And it is to that subject we, we come this morning. We have for some time now been making our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. And we come this morning uh, further into a passage, actually the section of 2 Corinthians that deals with this issue of generosity uh, began to be undertaken last week by Pastor Kerry, and if you've not heard that message, uh, you really should go back and, and catch it in one of the various online ways that you can do so. As Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he had written 1 Corinthians early in his ministry at Ephesus during the course of Acts 19. He founded the church at Corinth during the course of Acts 18. So if you want the book of Acts framework for all this, that's where, where that timing and chronology kind of fits together. Having written 1 Corinthians, he, he wrote 2 Corinthians to do a couple things. First to address, I'm not 2 Corinthians, the, a second letter to the church at Corinth that's, we don't have it. It's, it fits between 1 and 2 Corinthians. It's sort of, I don't know, 1 Corinthians A or something. Um, and in that letter, he, he has, he, he, it, it, it's called the, the, uh, the rough letter. The letter that, that he took them to task. And also in that letter, he encouraged them. Because now as, as Paul has rounded the corner and begun his third missionary journey, one of the, one of the purposes of his third missionary journey, one of the things he's doing in that journey is he is gathering together from the churches of, of Turkey and Greece in modern place names, an offering for the church at Jerusalem, which had fallen on some difficult times. And in that lost letter, that letter we don't have, we didn't lose it, God just didn't intend for us to have it. In that letter we don't have to the church at Corinth, which he sent from Ephesus via Titus, he encouraged them, get ready for your part in this upcoming offering. And they have sent back word via Titus to Paul before he writes the letter before us saying, we're ready. We can't wait to be in on what God is doing. And so now he's going to be soon on his way to Corinth and he's saying, hey, it's time, to, it's time to wrap that up. It's time to be ready as a church to do what you said you'd do. We talk a lot about joyful generosity here. We talk about giving generously. And yes, we often talk about it in non-financial terms. Volunteering, digging into your time with your gift, placing yourself in service. Those things are all, well, I mean, uh, perfectly legitimate expressions of joyful generosity. But in view here is, based on the context, a quite specific thing. I put it on your notes. This setting, this context, is an offering being given by the members of the church at Corinth for a purpose to which the church had agreed. So what is in view here is giving through the church on priorities and purposes the church has agreed to embrace. One of the central principles of scriptural application 
is that the, the most reliable key to what a passage means today is to do the work necessary to know what the passage meant. Because the, the, the roots of what it means are found in what it meant. And here Paul is encouraging the church to be joyfully generous regarding giving to the priorities of the church. It's about the church and it's about financial giving. At least in the paragraphs before us today. So let's talk about joyful generosity with that in view. Several principles emerge. It's a lengthy passage and I'm gonna read it as we go through it, I think, rather than read it as a block. Roman number one, joyful generosity is intentional. Joyful generosity is, in, there's nothing wrong with, with the occasional spontaneous giving, but joyful generosity will, will seek a way to be intentional. Paul writes, verses 10 and 11, 2 Corinthians chapter eight, and in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it, this, this offering. So now, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. There's a lot in there about intentionality. Uh, I, I, I see at least sort of three progressive steps as we, as we give intentionally. Letter A, an awareness of opportunity. Paul had made the church at Corinth aware that, that this was going to be something they could, they could get in on. Awareness of opportunity. We had a video earlier in this service about the change the world offering. I, I, I love that annual offering because it gives all of us a chance to, to really get involved. I love that we do not exclude our, our little children. I'm astonished every year by the stories that come of, of little children doing things and, and searching around the, around the house and you know from silly stuff like check the sofa cushions to, to you know, mommy, I checked the cup holder in your car and I found this and into the green cup. I just love that and more. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, have a, I have a pair of, of lungs and vocal anatomy. Kinda, I'm kind of designed from the ground up by my creator to speak to large groups of people which is cool because that's what he has called me to do. And we could do this this morning. Well, it's a little hot, but we could do this this morning in an open field with no seating, no lighting, no systems, no air conditioning. We could do this. I, for one, am grateful that we don't have to do it that way. I can speak to you without yelling because of these fantastic toys that I'm wearing that I just bumped with my hand, sorry Billy, and the toys that are built into this room. If, you, if your vision is not what you wish it was, there are ginormous versions of me on the screen behind me. I try not to look at that because it kind of gives me the willies, but I know it's back there. 
And while we look forward to replacing our pews in the hopefully near future, we've got pews. And while we could get all kinds of good arguments about how the thermostats are set at any given moment, we do in fact have air conditioning and lighting. And I'm grateful for all of those things. And all of those things are possible because of the joyful generosity of past and present members of McGregor. You know, all you have to do to see the opportunities, look around you at the ongoing ministries of our church and the settings in which we get to execute so much of it. Become aware of the opportunity and have the right desire. Ask the Lord. If you're, not, if, you're not, if you're content to not be in on all that, ask the Lord to give you a desire to be in on it. It breaks my heart to hear people speak of their church in the third person. Well, I heard that's what they are doing. That's what they are. They don't do stuff here. We do stuff here. This is a we church. Get in on it. Ask the Lord to give you the desire to be a part of it right now when those wonderful volunteers in our preschool ministry that we've talked about have the resources, you know, I don't know, is it, is it goldfish still? It's been a long time since I had a preschooler over there in childcare, learning God's word, studying the Bible and eating goldfish. But if there are goldfish there, it's because of the generosity. I should say whatever is there. Okay, you get it. And then right action, see it through. See it through. Not, not, don't disconnect desire from action. I, 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 I love what he says here, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it. The best example in all the word of God about someone who saw it through is the example of Jesus Christ himself. It's not on your notes, but, but it'll be on the screens. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he saw it through. That's speaking of the cross. He, he came to earth and he satisfied his mission. He sat down at the right hand of God waiting for that, from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. By the way, there's eternal security again. It's all over the place. Jesus faced opposition from, from human beings in his circle who misunderstood and betrayed him to Satan whispering in his ear and offering him satanic shortcuts to his own, his own fleshly struggle the night before he goes to the cross bleeding through his skin from the stress of the moment. He saw it through. And the fruit of the Spirit in our lives should lean into our seeing things through. I put it on your notes. Self-control is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And self-control includes deliberately sending my money where I want it to go, not wondering what happened to it at the end of the month or the end of the year. Self-control is reflected in your relationship with your money in terms of your desires, opportunities, and the action that you take. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 
self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You say, are you sending your money where you want it to go? Are the, are the opportunities and desires leading to an action because you are being intentional in your relationship with your money? Or are you accidentally having your money squirt all over the place? Hmm. Joyful generosity is intentional. Sees the need, lets the desire lead to action, and follows through. Roman two, joyful generosity is proportional. Verses 12 through 15. For, for if the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what it doesn't have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. There's a proportionality and an opportunism to joyful generosity and joyful giving. I, I love that earlier in the service, Brother Chad mentioned it, our, our disaster relief team from here, we, we were blessed to house and be a logistical center for many volunteers from all over the place that piled into this area in the wake of both Irma and Ian. What is it with these? You know, we don't have ice storms in Florida, but we sure have ice storms in Florida. You say it fast, they sound alike. <laughs> well, now our own team is responding and they'll be basing out of Perry, which is right up in the Big Bend, because now it's our turn to be generous with the churches up there. That's as it should be. But on a personal level, there's a relationship between proportionality and gratitude. Your gratitude should flow from an awareness of how profoundly you have been blessed. And that gratitude should reflect in generosity. Walk you through a little exercise for a moment. Let her A on your outline take a moment. Now here's what I know. In a room full of Southwest Floridians this size, there are some of you in the room right now that are in a painful financial crisis. If that's you, please be aware that our, our church's benevolent fund may well be able to help. Don't let pride keep you from contacting the church office. That fund exists through the joyful generosity of members of McGregor to give your body of Christ the means to step in when there's an acute crisis in your, in your life. But I also know this to be true of us. God has promised to provide our needs. It's been a long time for many of us since we felt any financial need. He has been so good. He's been so, he's kept his promise and beyond. My wife and I came here at two different times this morning. We'll leave the campus at two different times because we have 
two entirely separate cars in a world where most people don't have one, etc., etc., etc. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to literally hush my mouth for a moment. And I want you to take this moment. And if you're sitting with your spouse, and I hope, I hope if you're sitting with your spouse, it's still okay if you reach out and take each other's hand. I want you to take each other's hand. And I want y'all together. If you're by yourself, just get with God for just a moment. And I want you to take a moment and consider how blessed you are. You know where your next meal is coming from. God has provided so abundantly. Take a moment and just consider that together. Lord, if we look at the world, we are wealthy people. If we haven't forgotten the difference between a need and a want, we have to admit we're not living in true need. May we be always grateful. In Jesus' name. Letter B, I want you to consider a thought. Generosity depicts, indicates, it's a gauge. If, if, if there's a scale that on one end is gratitude, Lord, I, 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 I live in an awareness of what you've done for me and it's so far beyond me needing if I tell the truth. Lord, I want to live in gratitude. On the other end of that scale is greed. I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. On that scale of gratitude to greed, where you are in terms of your generosity and your giving is a pretty good gauge of where you actually are on the line between gratitude and greed. Consider that. And then let her see, if I may, let me ask a question. Does your giving to your church paint a picture that you would be happy with? If all anyone knew about your relationship to your stuff is your giving to your church, would they draw a correct conclusion about how grateful you are versus how greedy you are? Would you be happy with that picture? Now I want to be clear, nobody except our office staff team has anything to do with anybody's giving records here. I certainly don't have anything to do with your giving records. I wouldn't have anything to do with your giving records. I don't want to be burdened by that. Other than some summary data we'll talk about in a few minutes. But you, what would, what would somebody conclude about where you are on the scale of greed to graciousness, gratitude, based on your giving to your church? I think it's a fair question because joyful generosity is proportional and it's tied to God's blessings and our great gratitude for them. Roman numeral three, joyful generosity is accountable. Joyful generosity doesn't mind accountability. Letter A, oh well, I, I quote Luke 12, 48 here. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. There's an accountable relationship. Letter A, we're accountable to one another. We are accountable to one another. But thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, I'm in verse 16, 
who put it into the heart of Titus, the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he's going to you of his own accord. Titus has been running these letters back and forth between Ephesus and Corinth, between Philippi and Corinth. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. We don't know who that was. We speculate, but the Corinthians knew. Another of Paul's disciples, faithful with the gospel, is coming with Titus. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. There's a bunch of people involved. The church at Corinth knows what's going on. The church at Philippi knows what's going on. These servants of the Lord know what's going on. There is a, a woven network of accountable relationships. You are part of such a network. For all of you who have joined the church since 2017, when you joined the church, you had a conversation with the elders you met with about our church covenant. And you understood that to join our church is to, is to take on the burden of our church covenant. And I'm glad. It's what we owe one another as members together in this body. You are not an audience and I am, heaven's sakes, I am not a performer. The worship team is not a band putting on a concert. We're a congregation. We're a family. We're a body. And we commit to one another in covenant. If you remember the church prior to 17, then you're a part of a church that, that accepted by overwhelming majority that this would be our covenant. This is who we are. The third paragraph of our church covenant says this. By God's grace, we will strive for the advancement of this church and promote its spiritual health in reflecting the character of God. We will sustain and submit to its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. And we will contribute regularly, sacrificially, and cheerfully to support the ministry and expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We are accountable to one another, who we are as a church. Letter B, we're accountable for integrity in all we do. Integrity in all we do. Picking it up in verse 20. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of this great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches. As we aim for what is honorable. We don't talk a lot about sort of the, the skeletal systems of McGregor on Sunday morning. We do a lot in our member meetings and I want to again encourage and commend you to be a part of those. But if you, if you are aware of, of this, and if you aren't, let me remind you, we have a finance committee comprised of, of men and women from within this body of Christ. They, they review detailed financial data every month in their meeting. They ask the questions, they get the answers. They, they establish the budgetary framework, at least they put in play that framework that then goes through multiple steps. We have a personnel committee that, that reviews policies, 
the, the reviewed compensation numbers to make sure that, that those of us who, who, who work here are, are we're not being made rich by working here, but neither are we being impoverished by working here. And there's a committee that works hard on that. Those committees report to the elder body and the oversight of the elder body as, as God's under shepherds for this church. All of those individuals, elders and those committee members approved by the congregation. The process spelled out in the Constitution, approved by the congregation. And when the final budget is presented, it goes nowhere until the congregation owns it. It's accountable. And then there's an audit every year by an outside third-party CPA firm that year in and years out, year out verifies that we're telling the truth and operating decently and in order. We want to be accountable. We want to be accountable, and we are. That's a good thing. That glorifies the Lord, which is the third thing. We are accountable for the glory of Christ. He says in the very back few words of chapter 20, I mean verse 23, this is for the glory of Christ. This whole process is for the glory of Christ. We sang of it earlier in the service. Everything we do must come down to the focus being that Christ would get the glory. And then letter D, we're accountable to give proof of our love. Look at verse 24. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Pastor Kerry said it this way last week. You cannot love without giving. I suppose it's possible to give without loving. Sort of, okay, fine, I'll give something. You can give without loving. But I rather doubt, I agree with Brother Kerry, I rather doubt you can love without giving. And here, Paul encourages the church and the members of the church give proof of their love by their giving. Because your giving tells a story which leads us to Roman numeral four. Joyful generosity is testimonial. Joyful generosity tells a story. Should be enthusiastic. Letter A. Now I'm in chapter nine, verse one. Now it is superfluous, that is redundant for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, about, the, about this offering. I'm, I'm gonna bring it up again, but I know I'm being redundant. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of, of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, the southern Greeks, you've been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Our joyful generosity should tell a story of readiness and zeal. Our giving should be enthusiastic. Mm. I, I praise God that this is... This is a giving church. That we don't, we don't have to be touchy or timid when we talk about giving. Share some summary statistics with you. Our Sunday morning attendance, year over year, year to date, we have, we have grown in Sunday morning attendance by 14%. I praise God for that number. Amen, amen. Let me tell you what drives that. Humanly speaking, overwhelmingly, what drives that is you inviting your friends to church. Word of mouth 
and your personal passion for what God is doing in your church and you telling your friends and neighbors, y'all really ought to check out what God is doing at my church is the overwhelmingly statistically what drives that first time visitor to say, yeah, I'll check it out. So glory to God for that. Further, if you combine our budget giving and our giving to Renew2 and put those together, our giving year to date is up 18%. It's outpacing our worship growth. Amen. Amen. Now, it is also candor. It's worth, it's worth noting our budget giving specifically, you know, lights, sound systems, <laughs> staff, it's off 4% year to date. And it would be a good thing to shore that up. We're in the process of planning now for budget 24. The church took ownership of budget 23 and we're a little bit off on our budget giving. We're not giving our budget. We're not even giving to our budget what we gave last year. And I wanna encourage you, me, us, let's shore that up. Let's continue to be enthusiastic. Letter B, our giving is to be consistent. We've already said that it's testimonial, that it, that, it, that, it, that it tells a story. Look at what Paul says. I'm sending the brothers, verse three, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. If, if it comes time to, to evaluate how you've done on this commitment as a part of this church at Corinth and you're not in, that wouldn't be consistent. In fact, it would be humiliating. There's another statistic that I want to share with you. And I asked our, our wonderful staff, um, accounting staff team to put this together for me. It's September. And I know that some people give in ways that, that are not traceable by our church's systems. Some of you give anonymously with cash, though our total cash giving is not a very high number at all. Online giving and other forms of giving create a record. And again, that's not a bad thing. We are accountable to one another. But year to date, based on family units, not individuals. I want you to hear me on this because, for example, my individual giving record Gail would show up as an individual who does not give because Gail and I give together as a family. So looking at family units, year to date, just members of the church. Sixty-one percent of our families have given nothing year to date. 
How can that be? I want to encourage you. I have no idea who gives what. I'm not about to be burdened by that. But God has called me to teach the word and to shepherd. And Paul just told the church at Corinth, it's humiliating to not be in on what your church is doing. It is. Is your, is your giving really telling the story of how you regard God's grace to you? You say, Brother Russell, I think that 61% is high because there are, there's some or there's some, there's some. Oh, 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 okay, let's say, it, let's say it's high by 20%. That still means more than a third. I'm not gonna berate you or belabor the point. I, guilt is pretty useless for the child of God since there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you're missing out. And it needs to be willing. You don't need to give because you felt like I leaned on you. And if you feel like I'm leaning on you, that is my mistake because I would not have you feel that way. Just encouraged. Look at what he says about willingness in letter C. Beginning in verse five. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you promised so that it be made as a willing gift and not an exaction. It's not supposed to feel like a tax. It's not supposed to feel like it's being wrung out of you or squeezed out of you or ripped out of you. I, we talk about the tithe a lot in church settings and that's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful, wonderful guideline. But here's what I've encountered. I've encountered down the years some believers who cannot see their way to the tithe. Their history has put them in a situation where as of at least that moment, they're convinced it can't be done. You know, if I was counseling somebody who had never had a quiet time, I would not say to them, what you need to do is take an hour every morning and you need to read God's word and you need to pray. It's probably true, they probably need to do that. But if they've never done anything, spending time with the Lord is brand new to them. You know what I would say to them and have? I would say, find, find 10 minutes. Pastor Mark tells the story of someone he encouraged in this who began having his daily quiet time sitting in his garage in his car before he cranked his car to go to work. He found a way to take five or six minutes every morning to read his Bible and pray. Hmm. To get off zero. If you've never had a quiet time, that would be my counsel to you. Get off zero. Because I know that if you'll take five minutes a day and begin a process of deliberately reading God's word and praying, You'll grow beyond that and you'll never look back. Would I have you get to the tithe? Some of you are way beyond the tithe. The tithe is like training wheels for New Testament giving. It's a great place to, to, to work from. For some of you to work toward. My counsel to you is give up a cup of coffee out once a week. 
start somewhere. A tank of gas costs me between $50 or $60, depending on how empty I've let my car get. Give a tank of gas a month. By God's grace, get off zero. If you're stuck on zero, and worse, if you have convinced yourself that it's okay that you're stuck on zero, break that. Your generosity in giving is painting a picture. And you are living under a cloud that you don't need to live under. Paul started this passage in his very first sentence. He said, this benefits you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, You've come to church, and one more time, every time I come to church, they talk about money. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. And we don't apologize for that. But if you've heard, if all you've heard so far, if you're outside of Christ, is one more guy up front in a suit talking about money, then forget everything I've said. Please forget everything I've said and hear this. Jesus Christ died to make the only means to be right with God there ever will be available. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross has paid for the sins of sinners like you. And if you will turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ by faith, you will have the inestimable gift of being right with God. And that's gonna matter more than anything you're ever gonna give anybody. Come to faith in Christ. Urgently come to Jesus. You may not live out the day and I'm not threatening you. It's just life. Come to Jesus. Otherwise, body of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's what matters most. That's why these buildings, these programs, these everything exists here is to get that message out. But if you already have received of the grace of God, and are blessed to be a part of the body of Christ at McGregor. Grow in your giving generously and joyfully.